Welcome to the Hunting for Purpose podcast, the official podcast home for all human design manifestors. I'm your host, Holly Marie, a 4-6 clinic manifester, a certified human design teacher, and a manifester who is following her own creative urge to facilitate a thriving global community of aligned, powerful manifestors. Wherever you are at in your manifester journey, or even if you are here just because you love a manifester and you want to understand them a little bit more, this podcast is the place for you. Stick around for in-depth teaching, for real-life practical tips and understandings of the manifester journey, and how to become aligned and powerful and thriving as a manifester. You are here for global impact. You are here to change the world. The time is now. The journey is yours. This podcast is your home. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to this episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. We have the privilege of having another guest episode today in our beautiful Manifesto Meetup podcast series. And this one I'm I'm really stoked about. I feel really like warm and fuzzy to bring you this person um, because I have had the privilege of working with her one-on-one for over half a year. So without too much fluff around, I want to introduce you to the beautiful Ryan Blanton. She is an energy worker. Um, She's just a phenomenal person. I think you're really going to enjoy her energy. So thank you, Ryan, for being here. I'm so excited. Hello, everyone in the podcast land people in the virtual world listening. (laughs) Exactly. So I feel like I probably know like every inch of your design because I had the ability (laughs) (laughs) to work with you, I think for seven months, right? So we have gone through like every tiny pocket of your design. But for the people listening, can you tell us what your design is? And how did you kind of start stumbling down, you know, the Alice in Wonderland hole that is human design? Definitely. So I'm a three five emotional manifester and I only have one undefined center and it is my sacral center. So a lot of energy <laughs> up in here, up in my body. I first found out I'm, I was really big into astrology, um, kind of some witchy stuff. And in 20, probably in 2016, I first heard about human design and I remember going like, nope, not for me. I am done. It is hard. I'm just, I, I've learned enough stuff about my stuff. Um, but then I was like kind of curious because there was this term manifester and they were different than everyone else. So I just kind of like on my peripheral vision, just kind of like paid attention to the things I was reading. And, you know, I followed all the people that I could on Instagram, like all the human design folks. And then slowly and surely, I was like, oh, okay, I, I'm understanding this. And to be honest, I was mad. I was like, I'm a dumb manifester. I have no energy. I'm a three five. So things are like really, really hard. And then people expect a lot from me, even though I didn't even realize it. And I was just like mad for a long time. And then it took, I don't even know. And then I slowly began to be like, okay, there could be some benefits. And I was like, I want to be a manifesting generator. Give me some sacral energy. But as that is my probably deepest wound, my undefined sacral, it makes sense why I would want to have a defined sacral because that's where like 
all my wounds and shadows come from. Um, yeah, so I just really fell in love with human design. I liked how I have a defined head, so I only know what I know. And it was helpful to learn more about myself from a different perspective other than me and to see how other people were experiencing life. I also found out my mom, who I probably spend the most time with, also has a defined head. So we're just like two defined heads, just like clacking against each other. Um, and then I found Holly and I was like, I manifested this. I need to be mentored by her. And I learned so much during that seven months. And it was, it's just been so helpful on my healing journey, specifically with you know, my sacral, my energy, life force, and um, from burnout, and also just like having more fun and being more successful and changing the world instead of changing myself, which I think was a really big lesson. Mm, that is really profound. I think that experience too of um, initially being very resistant to human design. I mean, that is so common across <laughs> manifest. It's like almost every guest on the podcast has said that. And that was my experience too. I was like, my friend introduced me to human design. And I was like, get that label away. Mm-mm. Like, no. And it, which makes sense, you know, because I have an undefined G center as well. So I'm very like, you can't put me in a box. Like I am air and I am fluid and I am mechanical. Like you can't, uh, you don't understand me. Um, but I, I think that it's actually part of this manifest in nature too, that we're these things that come to us from the outside, we're not naturally aligned with receiving them. Mm. We're naturally aligned with receiving what comes from within for us, because that at least in some way makes sense. Um, and the anger thing too, is really, really common super common across manifestors like this experience of like but I don't want to be this no no this is not this is not how this system is is going to roll out for me and you know I I I find it really curious like I have an undefined Ajna and an undefined head so I'm really like let's search like let's let's like complete opposite to you let's pull this apart and, and see all of the different ways we can perceive this and understand this and um there's just so much about this experience of a manifestor of being like, you can't tell me who to be. Yeah, you can't, but you also can't tell me what I'm missing you can't, because I don't want to hear what I'm missing. I just, I just want to feel it within myself and experience that within myself. And I think the real beauty of, uh, you know, our journey together for me, mentoring you through that was in seeing that with such stark clarity in your design that it was, you know, you clearly came through this life experience wanting to deeply, deeply, and on a detailed level, understand the lack of sacral energy. It's like you set yourself up <laughs> for that one, oh, yeah. that one lesson. Um, and I want to, you know, I want to touch on that a bit, this whole experience of not having a defined sacral center we know that of course that's it's universal across all manifestors we're all non-sacral beings and i think that every manifester and, and every projector and reflector in the world could stick their hands up and say hey at least once i've wanted a defined sacral center like i've really really wanted that energy um but i for people with other undefined centers often the sacral center and the conditioning and the kind of the noise of it gets mixed up 
with all of the other centres, you have this amazing experience of like, there's no other voices going on. Like that's <laughs> when it comes to conditioning, that's it. That's your road to deconditioning. What was that experience like for you? I guess when you first discovered that, like did that provide you with some answers initially or were you quite resistant to receiving that? Such a great question. I was very resistant because all of this wounding, you know, um, I had, I grew up with kind of like two ill parents. I myself had like a chronic um, illness in high school. My whole family, I'm pretty sure like I've done their charts. Everyone has a sacral center. So there's just always been so much energy around me and people have like worked, worked, work. There's a saying in my family, like, oop, guess I got to go boil water to act like I'm busy because everyone else is doing something. And I'm oh, like, wow. So, yeah, so it's just always been a lot of energy. So I've always had, again, this shadow wound. And so when I first heard it, I was like, oh, of course, something I'm missing. I don't have a sacral, defined sacral. I'm missing that. Um, and I, it never occurred to me to be like, oh, this is why I don't feel like others. It was more like this is something I'm missing. And it was, I mean, I probably, this was in 2016 when I first found out, I mean, it was probably two years into kind of like slowly learning until I was like, oh no, wait, this is why I am like I, why I am because I don't have a defined sacral center. Um, this is why like I used to work in higher education, working with students, sending them abroad, and also doing big, large events, like for 400 students, three days. And I would lead a team and everyone would be like partying at night and afterwards be fine. And I'm like on the bed dying and need like three weeks to recover. And it, I, that is when I started to really understand like, oh, I'm okay. This is how I'm meant to be. Um, for so long, I felt lacking for so long and a lot of shame around it too. Like how, why can other people do so much more than I can? And now it's like, wow, my whole worldview has changed. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a really interesting deconditioning process. And because it's the only undefined center I have, I just feel like it's going to be kind of a, a constant unraveling, which I'm okay with. And this has been such an important piece of my physical healing as well. Um, it's been probably like a 10 year healing journey from like chronic Lyme and just like burnout. But then, you know, you're healing from the burnout that you just burnt out with. And then, you know, it's this, it's this cycle, but now I'm like, Oh, we can change this cycle. And the burnout has, doesn't have to be, so intense or it doesn't have to exist at all. So really learning this has been so pivotal into everything about me because it's such a big piece of who I am. I love that you mentioned like flipping that script and flipping that narrative over from this is something that I'm missing. This is something that I'm lacking to, oh God, like this is an asset, right? This is, uh, you know, I, I always come back to this same place in human design. People must get so like, dead tired of hearing it but it's so pivotal for me in my own journey and understanding that nothing about your design whether we're looking at it through human design 
through astrology, through numerology, through yogic life paths, however, however we want to, you know, place that lens, nothing about it is coincidental. Nothing about it is accidental. Like nothing about you is random. Every single tiny cell within you is designed with a very specific way. And the controller of that design was you. Like you wanted it. It's not like you got like tagged with a barcode on the way out of heaven, on the way back down. Like you were like, hey, this is what I want. I want this for this life experience. And human design plays a really cool role in giving like a structure and some language around that to, I think, take it from that place of I'm, I'm not good enough because I don't have this same stuff as everybody else to saying, why don't I have that? And what does that mean about me? And how does that make me powerful in that that experience of like identifying oh my god I've got an undefined sacral center like I can't keep up with all of these people were there were there kind of any identifying factors to you initially about um I guess like twofold you know how did that conditioned behavior like those patterns of behavior initially show up for you and also then how did you physically see it because that really represented itself in your body physically too Yes. Um, so the patterns were just like pushing and pushing. Um, also there's like a perfectionist, uh, mentality. So just continue on pushing past the point because it had to be perfect. And I was also working with you know, it's very interesting. I realized I've worked with perfectionists. Every every boss I've had is a perfectionist. So that's great with my undefined sacral as well. Um, so the patterns were just like pushing myself until I really was disembodied and just dissociative from my body. Um, I'm trying to think of what else kind of patterns. I didn't... Um, <laughs> What funnily started my my 10-year health journey was I was starting to get, uh, I was on Adderall to get this energy, right? And then I started having heart um, palpitations. So then I started to go see an herbalist, super long story short, I went off Adderall and then like, ooh, life, life was hard. <laughs> life was like, you know, you couldn't keep pushing without that excess energy. And so I didn't drink caffeine and... It would just, I remember my eyes burning and I would like get four hours of sleep a day. Like it was, it was rough. And sleep has always been a challenge for me and my whole family, but definitely for me as well. And so my, my sacral burnout, definitely kind of not knowing when enough is enough and not even knowing when to shut down to sleep. So then there's no rest you know, there's no rejuvenation. Those were some big physical symptoms. I'm trying to think of what else. The disembodiment. Just kind of like a like a, a breakdown of the body. And I remember telling someone being like, I am spending so much money and so much time and effort with like the juice fast and the, the smoothies and the energy workers and you know doing all of these like modalities to support my body just to get me to 
the bare minimum of everyone else. And I was like, if I didn't spend all of this effort doing that, I, I couldn't function. And so then I was like, once I discovered my undefined sacral, I was like, oh, this is why <laughs> I don't need to do all that. Um, I can just say no to this like 80 to 100 hour work week. And that's going to be <laughs> really nourishing. And, you know, I'm not going to have to spend $400 a month on, uh, you know, some sort of like energetic modality for myself. Yes, I so resonate with that. I think um, a lot of the experience that I've had is that non-sacral beings across the board, but of course, manifestors experience in a unique way, um, is this experience of sacral burnout and sacral pushing leading to chronic illness, particularly to inflammatory-based illnesses, right? Like we get a lot of these um, like autoimmune issues. Uh, We get, you know, like inflammatory digestive issues. I, you know, and, and I'm not exempt from that. Like I was in exactly the same position and, uh, you know, had, had a major autoimmune liver disease, but I also had a whole handful of secondary diseases, you know, like irritable bowel syndrome and a whole bunch of other like diseases, which was never explainable in a medical textbook. It was just kind of like, oh, well, statistically thing, like your numbers up, congratulations. You just, you just get to live your life with chronic illness. And that experience of like, my whole focus and all my energy and all of my money is going into this just like survival mode. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just trying to like get up each day. I'm not even looking to be cured. I'm not even looking to necessarily like be better. I just need to function somewhat, at least some somehow similarly to everybody else. Um, and that journey for me, when I realized like this, this is actually just being driven by the way I'm choosing to use my energy right? This is like the way that my body is manifesting and expressing wounds and energies that I'm holding on to in these conditioned patterns and these shadows. At first for me, that was, that was challenging to swallow because that meant that I had to look back on everything that I'd been doing and say, well, I contributed to this. Like this was not thrust on me I've been having this life experience because of the way that I've been choosing to behave with this same combination of well this is the way I was taught to right like my my mother is a manifesting generator like that's how I was taught to behave and to try to keep up with that um and I feel like that's just such a common thread for so many non-sacral beings this this place of I don't actually recognize it until my body is breaking down and my body is saying like, we can't keep doing this anymore. Was that, was that part of what, um, you know, was that one of the tools like really connecting back into your body? Was that one of the tools that sparked you onto that healing journey with your sacral center and and with your disease processes? Yeah. So, um, really just, trying to absorb all the tools I could. I, I love my, um, my own energy. I call her my energy therapist. I was seeing her for like four or five years. Oh my God, maybe six years. And she was like, Hey, I have this class. I want you to attend. It's a certification. So I became Uh, advanced certified in this energy healing technique and to me it was at first it was just I need to heal my own body because something I have to support it like you said 
And so definitely learning all these sort of like alternative tools was so helpful for that. And I mean, because of my defined head, really like affirmation work and in in hearing other people's stories and hearing other manifestors. I remember the first time I was on like a manifestor Facebook group. Um, someone was saying that, I don't know, they were burnt out. And I'm like, whoa, I'm burnt out. I love that connection. Like I get it now. So I think affirmation work was so big to change the story between like, I am a, I have low energy and I will never fit in to I'm perfectly imperfect the way I am and my energy shows up when it needs to and I need to rest and that is safe for me. Doing the energy work as well actually became my career focus because I was like, I can't do these event planning, higher ed stuff anymore. Um, So that was really cool to see. And that was so helpful. I'm trying to think of what else. I made, I wrote a list actually. I took notes. That's very defined hate and Ajna of you. <laughs> like, nice. I wrote I'm a so list glad I'm on brand. <laughs> oh. So I think one of the most difficult things for me was getting into my body because I, I want to say probably most of my life I lived outside of my body just because I was really young being sick and getting out into nature which like everyone says and it's like so dumb to hear when like you feel so bad and it's like just get out in nature and your bare feet and you're like no that sounds dumb that actually really helps so if you're listening just try it I know that was really helpful doing um I'm a touch cognition person so I like to touch things and work with my hands and I didn't know that at the time but I really liked crafts and building things like pottery, which is actually exhausting and really get your whole body in there. That was helpful for me. Um, kayaking, because you could like move both of your hands. I also read something interesting recently that said spiritual people tend to come into earth with their upper chakras highly activated, but not their lower chakras. And so for them, their journey is to embody into their lower chakras while other folks it's more to open their upper chakras so kind of reading that and being like oh this is a continual journey (laughs) I don't have to just like oh I'm in my body once that's it I've done it no it's kind of like relearning because that's maybe you know besides my sake my undefined sacral like that's why I'm here that is that just gave me such a light bulb (laughs) Right. Experience. I'm like, oh my God, that's me. You know, yes. um, it, it is this constant like discipline with yes, go back into the body, go back into the body, you know, practices of grounding. Like I, I struggle. I know how effective they are. I know how helpful they are, but I legitimately forget. I forget to do mm-hmm. them um, because I am it. You know, it's a strange experience for me in my design because I'm undefined in my upper spaces, but it's still more comfortable for me to kind of like float and mm-hmm. and hang out up there and just be part of that mystery than it is to really be physically embodied. And, you know, a lot of those practices across my journey, um, doing energy work, like doing um, acupuncture, doing somatic work, doing breath work, doing meditation, 
all of these things that bring you physically back into your body, those have probably been some of the most profound tools for me, but also the tools that I can't stop doing, right? I fall out of the pattern, I fall out of the routine, and then I realize uh, how damaging that is mm-hmm. for me to be out of that. Um, I love, I love that, you know, you had, it's like, it's such a, like a taste cognition thing, sorry, a touch cognition thing, this whole like, well, I'm gonna, I'll touch this thing over here and I'll play with it and I'll integrate it into my body. And then I'll like touch this thing over here and I'll play with it and I'll integrate it into my body. It's also so three line of you, yeah. <laughs> right? Like let's play with everything in life. You are probably one of my favorite embodiments of the three, five profile. It's such a joy to watch you. Can you, can you give people a rundown of like, what's, what is your experience being of being a three, five? Like, how did you first come to understand that? When did that start to resonate with you? Like, what were the challenges? What were the joys in that? Well, like I said before, when I first learned about the three, five, it was, they fail a lot and it's hard lessons. And I was like, oh, again, this sucks. Like why? And so I didn't really understand it because yes, my life has been challenging. I'm sure all of ours are, but I never saw a lot of like failures. Like if I look back, I'm like, I don't see any failures, but that's the three in me, right? Like I'm sure someone else would look and be like, oh, you, I might have like 10 to 15 courses I have spent money on from influencers and, you know, content creators that I've never finished. Might someone else say that was a failure? Possibly. But for me, it was like, well, I wasn't like, I was interested and then I just like stopped um so that and and I give myself permission to do that I know that you know maybe I needed just one piece from that or I needed to learn that that wasn't what I was interested in um I try not to put pressure on myself for those things and then I also know that like I can come back to it whenever I want I also just really go all in really, really hard of like, okay, this week I, I'm going to be a sailor. That's my newest obsession. I like watch YouTubes about sailing. I'm like, I should live on a sailboat and travel the world. Meanwhile, like I've never been on a sailboat. I get seasick and I don't like fish, but like I'm in it. So I'm taking sailing lessons next week. We'll see how it goes. Stayed. Let me just inform y'all later if it went well, but you know, it's this constant, like trying new things, getting bored and then being like, well, whatever I do. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, you know, that was fun. Let me pick that up again, which I like, you know, kind of like that three knowledge of, oh, maybe it is time to pick that back up. Um, but yeah, what I wish people who wrote three or at least, you know, back in the day when they write about three, five, they don't, they don't call it failures. And I haven't seen that uh, terminology in a while because it really doesn't feel like that to me. It just feels like constantly trying new things. (laughs) If you could see how many, like, let's restart my life. YouTubes. I watch of like, okay, we're buying a new planner today. We're getting on board. I mean, it's just constantly that my friends are probably so annoyed with me because I'm like, (laughs) let's do it together. And they're like, stop it. Um, but yeah, it's fun and it's, it's something I'm recently trying to incorporate into my life of like, oh, I can try more things like being more intentional. For some reason, my three feels a little bit more unconscious, even though it is my conscious. Um, so there's probably some like 
shadow work that I should do, you know, gentle, kind shadow work I should do around that just to make it more like, oh, let's try this new thing and have it be more intentional. Yeah. The, the three is one of my favorite profiles to observe. I think because it's so, it's so different from me as a four, six. And, um, mm. you know, for those people listening, the, the three is what we call the martyr. It's traditionally known as the martyr in human design. And it, it really is this like, it's probably most notoriously known by the phrase trial and error, right? That the three always has this experience of like, oh, I'm going to like try this thing, like shiny object over here. I'm going all in. I'm going to dive like feet first into this whole experience, submerge myself in it. Oh, there was like some mistakes and some things that didn't go correctly. And then like, I'm done with that. I learned my lessons and now I'm on to the next thing. And so there's this like kind of quality to the three that has this kind of like trail behind them of just discarded things from the outside seemingly that's what it looks like it's this like oh tried this oh tried that oh tried this but in doing that and in making those mistakes and I say that in air quotes right this like mistakes slash failures they're not really it's it's part of the learning experience and it's what makes three lines so incredibly authentic because when you talk about stuff And when you share those experiences with others, like threes love to tell stories, right? And like love to pass that knowledge on. And it comes across with this like just really grounded, really honest authenticity of like, hey, you know, we'll chat in a couple of months and you'll be like, so sailing. Here's what you need to know. (laughs) Like, because I tried it, did it, gone there, bought the t-shirt, you make your own decision about it, right? And I think that threes have so much to teach us about just capturing life and just experiencing it in its totality. Um, you know, we, a lot of the narrative too around six lines is that sixes operate as threes up until around about 30, kind of just past your Saturn return. And as a six person, as a four, six profile, let me clarify that for a second, because The six doesn't operate as like a classical three for those first 30 years. We operate like a a three, like with all of the pitfalls. So whereas like the conscious three, like you, that beautiful embodiment of like playfulness and adventure and kind of like follow the dazzling lights and, and go all in on something, a six operating as a three will have all of these really painful lessons, right? The six has this like, I need to perfect life. I need to gain wisdom. And every time I fail at that, it teaches me the lessons that I need to know, but God damn it, it rips me in half to do it. So, you know, just for people listening that maybe are like a six line in those first 30 years and you're thinking like, that three doesn't resonate with me. Like, that's why. Yeah, you're gonna gonna look back at the first 30 years of your life and think like, that was not playful. Like that was not, that was not enjoyable. I mean, I, I don't look at my first 30 years with any kind of like nostalgia. I was like, that was brutal. I made it through. Like I did, and I got the scars to prove it and I've got the wisdom. Um, and three, uh, three of my children are also line sixes. I've got two four sixes and a six two. So observing it in my kids is really cool, right? This experience of like, They have a really safe environment. They're really secure. They're really nurtured. They're really looked after, but they have these ridiculously lofty expectations of themselves. And and every time they don't meet those, they're crushed within them. And then they kind of like pick up and they reflect and they learn the lessons. And I know that that will be a cumulative 
effect, you know, <laughs> as they get older and they can start embodying that six. But the three in its purity has this kind of like sparkle to it. Like you guys, I swear you're like the sunlight of the world. You just, you just, you know, bring it. On the opposite of your profile with that five line, the five is really, really um, well known for being the one that's a struggle on your unconscious side because people project a lot onto you when you're the five. Has that has that been part of your journey with the five? Have you seen that in your life? I definitely think so. Um, even like my grandma will FaceTime me for help and I'm like, I don't I'm happy to, but maybe like a daughter would be helpful. I don't know. Um, yeah, the five just definitely people like I'm the one who does all the organizing and the clean, like, you know, it's, it's a lot, um, on my plate, which, you know, with that undefined sacral, cause I want to show up for them. Um, the undefined sacral does not like that. I'm still trying to like see what that looks like from a with my undefined or with my defined head trying to see what that five um, profile looks like from the outside. I definitely see where people as a kid, my cousins and things would just like put what they thought they knew about me on me which was really hard and I was just you know this bubbly kid like I don't know why you don't like me but and it was, you know, their own stuff. So that was difficult for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The five has this kind of like complex quality to it where it's, um, you know, it's really wise. Like the, the five can innately solve problems and understand challenges. And that it's kind of this like um, very knowledgeable, very grounded criticism a judgment of everything that's going on around you because you have this ability to like reorchestrate everything that's going wrong, not just in your life, but other people's lives and then universally across the world. But that also is, is quite magnetic to people who, who have things that they can't solve themselves and will come to the five and say, you do it. You solve that for me. I'm always really curious about how that's experienced by manifestors because you have a closed aura as well so like a a five line generator is going to be super different to a five line manifester have you found any challenge in kind of like helping people solve problems like you know joining connecting with them through that closed aura it's funny you say that because sometimes I think the people that maybe it's because I don't mind helping a lot of folks but the ones I do mind are just kind of like strangers that are a little bizarre. I get a lot of that. Um, and my aura doesn't repel them at all. because Just come up to me whenever. I think people can't see me, but I feel very cutesy. So I am the person on the street people ask to for directions, even if I don't live there, even if I you know a completely different ethnicity of the person of the like locals so the closed aura thing never really um resonated hugely with me uh, regarding like people asking me for help and I I kind of want to see 
I can like make a turn a switch and make that happen. So I wouldn't get some some strangers coming up to me being like, oh, this is what's going on in my life. Help fix it. And I'll be like, oh, no, there is an aura up. You need to go. I'm repelling you. I'm intentionally repelling you. Um, I don't know if it's that three. I, I don't know. It's very interesting. I don't. I do know people like people don't ask me questions, though. Like they expect me to tell them about myself, what's going on, which I don't see that in, in around my friends or family. So I think that's interesting. Like the help, they'll come to me, but other things they won't. So that's a, a different perspective. Yeah. Super fascinating. I love that. You and I have had uh, like a lot of conversations in our journey together as well about, um, you know, more like global issues, like social justice issues, um, looking at, I guess, like this more kind of systemic understanding of what's happening in the world, which when I reflect on on your energy, I can see how that's what you're aligned with, right? I can see how that's what you're really driven towards. And I think a significant part of that is that five line, this this drive that says, but I can see what's broken, right? And I want to have a big impact with that and you know it's been cool for the two of us because you know obviously there's been a lot of uh like unrest and and change and shifting within the united states over the last 18 months or so um you're in the states i have the benefit of being outside the states and being deeply in love with the united states as a nation so i can can kind of share some like outside observational experience very six line of me like let's observe this as a whole do you think that your energy and your design has played a role in your connection to kind of those like bigger global issues? Definitely. Um, well, first off, I think it's really interesting because I am a defined head and my master's is in um, international education, but it was all about perspectives. So I really love perspectives, but I need someone to show me the perspective and to like open it up to me. And then I'm like, oh, okay, we need to do something about this. Or like, I didn't know that. Thank you for telling me. I never thought of it that way. Um, so I think that's really interesting with like my love for perspectives and all that. And I think such a big part of my journey is because of the sacral center. And, you know, I see what I've experienced of just, you know, like burnout, all this ugh, crap. And, you know, that's what this like colonized society, Western society. And that's what's that, you know, that's where we're going to burn out, even with the, those with defined sacral center. So I feel somewhat like a reflector, which I hear kind of like the canaries in the coal mine, because they have all those um undefined centers they can kind of like tell us like oh things aren't going so well we need to fix things and that's how I feel regarding some of these social justice issues um especially like I mean I can keep going on and on about just our awful capitalistic society how you know in the United States they want us to work so hard I mean there's been proven uh, studies of like a three to four day work week is more beneficial and like more productive well they don't care if you're more productive they just want you to work hard because if you work hard you don't have the energy to fight back um so I'm I mean 
I feel like my message is like, we need rest. We need nourishment. We need support. And I'm coming from a, va- a place of like huge privilege that I was able to like live with my mom during COVID, um, be able to like start a business to support myself while having a lot covered. And saying that from p- place of privilege in the United States, we are having a general strike on October 15th. So we are not buying anything. We're not streaming anything. We're not going to any restaurants because things got to change. And I think our sacral centers can't handle, like people just can't handle it anymore. And so I see, I see like the earth was given to us and it was perfect. And like, we could have, you know, just had a perfect life before white supremacy came and was like actually let's get colonized and let's work the system and let's make everyone work and you have to do jobs that aren't towards your survival you're just helping other like you know it's crap and we could have food all the time and yeah it makes me so angry so if you're in the United States, if maybe around the world, let's participate in this general strike we need to support our sacral center I don't know does I would be interested. I bet the United States has a defined sacral center. Yeah. As a country energy. Yeah. 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 I, I think that um, country energetics is a really fascinating area of human design and, and kind of a largely untapped one. Like most people don't, mm-hmm. um, don't specialize in that area, but we can definitely see looking at these more like westernized capitalist driven mm-hmm. nations that there very much is these these shadows and these mm-hmm. like that um it's like this sucking dry of the sacral center while at the same time also experiencing a lot of shadow around the ego right so this mm-hmm. this um desperate desire for hustle for motivation for willpower for success like it's everything like that is just so highly praised but only 20 percent, approximately of the of the population has a defined ego center so then we kind of have this compound issue coming down i love that you mentioned that even people with a defined sacral are experiencing this challenge and that really shows how far we've gone as a collective Mm -hmm. with this experience, right? It's that it's not just like us non-sacrals over here saying, hey, we're tired, (laughs) like give us a rest, but we've got sacral people who have this energy available and it's still being leached too much just from this daily existence. Like sacral people who should be able to keep up with this are struggling and they are tired. And I, I agree with you that there has to be some sort of definitive line in the sand right? We, we have to reach some part, some, some time frame as a collective where we say enough now, right? Now, now we call it, now we acknowledge the mess and now we, we either return back the way that we came, we look for a way forward, whatever that's, that's going to be. Human design speaks about it. For those who are not aware, the traditional like original human design teachings from Ra Uruhu speak about being in a seven-year paradigm shift so a lot of people in human design are speaking about that now this kind of new paradigm that we're entering because from 2020 through to 2027 we're going through a paradigm shift as a collective where we are moving from um, a place of mental consciousness right it's been very kind of masculine driven where that became toxic as we see 
And 2020 was the commencement of a seven-year cycle where we are moving into an embodied state. So it's about spirituality. It's about energetics. It's about, you know, the deep feminine. And, I mean, heck, we're only in year two. Like we're only in the second year of this seven-year shift. And sometimes that's so disheartening, right? Because it's like, how much more can we take of this? Like I, I need this to be done now. I need this to be wrapped up. But actions like a general strike, I think, are, are going to be like repetitive actions. They're going to be things that we see so many times over because we have to this we you know we can't we can't just flick a switch here we have to dismantle everything that we've had and then then rebuild it and perhaps the year 2027 is going to be an amazing year for us and we'll all just do like a collective like sigh of relief thank god we made it through but for anybody that's feeling really weary and really tired you know, it, this is not just because we're having an experience of a global pandemic, right? That's why over the last 18 months, we've not only journeyed through a pandemic, but we've journeyed through like political structures being broken down. We're looking at, you know, patriarchal qualities. We're looking at gender inequality. We're looking at racism. We're looking at homophobia, right? We're looking at um, criminality, pedophile rings, like injustices. We have this kind of like cacophony at the moment around the globe of like oh shit everything's wrong like it's all, the whole the whole system is broken what do you think I don't think we've ever spoken about this before but what do you think the manifesto role is in that shift over this seven-year cycle wow Whew. put the pressure on manifesto I know no, I come it. on um, Manny step we- up <laughs> Well, we chose to be here during this time. Um, So I think, you know, being these like, we're going to have these bizarre kind of out there ideas and we're going to create them into the universe and people are going to be like, I have always needed that. That is what I need. That is, maybe that is a manifester creating you know, a big business and like really supports their, their employees. And it's like, oh, now, you know, the Manny gens and the gens can like go and really be excited and like do work. Um, I think, I think there's a lot with the sacral to like really be explored. I think that is just such a huge shadow and it's probably because again, it's my biggest shadow. So I think it's the most important, but it's just, so much comes from our life force energy and us as a collective talking about it kind of being like "Ooh, it doesn't have to be like this like "Ooh, this is why it's really bad um this is my experience it's gonna open other people's eyes to like oh maybe there is another way um I always like to point out like you know, the Native Americans and like the indigenous folk, they didn't ruin the world, right? Like life was good before colonization and white people, you know, being awful to the natives. And so there is a way to have this like reciprocal relationship, but also just like way to live And I think that the manifesto is really going to be um, helpful with that just because we're kind of (laughs) bossy and 
you know, really powerful. And I, and I want to say I read something about that. Like there's this like seven year period where like everyone's going to be a manifester when they're going to be born or something. Have you heard that? Did I no, make that up? I don't know. I, I'm going to research that now. I, I read something, you know, on a Facebook or Instagram and I was like, oh gosh, that's kind of terrifying to think like <laughs> everyone for like a year or two or however long is just going to be a manifester. Like to me, if that's true, I don't know. Sorry, fact checker who has to fact check this. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we got some important roles to do. We're here to, you know, the, I keep reading that, you know, like we were once many because we were the kings and the rulers and, and then, you know, the world shifted and didn't need that. So there's a reason we're here with this like king ruler energy. I also feel that my uh, chart makes me a perfect commune leader. So if anyone <laughs> wants to uh, start a commune together, if I have any Manny's or Manny Jen's listening on the other side, contact me. We can build a utopia that doesn't involve Kool-Aid. Um, maybe that's it. I don't know. I'm excited to see. We'll, uh, we'll link Ryan's commune idea in the show notes below. Anybody who wants to join the commune. <laughs> I mean, like, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be a manifester, right? It's, it's going to be it's like so somebody true. willing to be out there on the edge doing the crazy stuff. And my, um, my, uh, my, what's it called? The angle cross is like of rulership. So mm-hmm. I'm here to be a ruler and tell people how to live their life and it needs to be more chill. So <laughs> I'm here for you people. I'm just kidding, guys. I'm not going to start. Maybe I'll start. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe now that you've informed, maybe that's actually going to show up in your reality. Who knows? Like three line, throw it out there. Just live. live I will say my informing through the internet is powerful. Like I can inform in daily life, but when I inform like through an Instagram story, it shows up. So to anyone wanting to experiment from a three, um, just try that out. See what happens. Put it in an Instagram story. I mean, if a or manifesto podcast. can do, right. If a manifesto can do anything, anything at all to help their journey, informing's got to be the first one. Right. And I know we hate swallowing that. We hate swallowing that pill because informing is hard work. It's not, you know, and I've spoken about this a lot. There's plenty of other podcast episodes and posts and stuff off on it for anyone who wants to research it. But um, informing is not naturally our strategy. It's just called our strategy, right? Our strategy is to initiate. So initiating, super easy. Like we can do that all of the time. Like you just initiated right now. You just initiated a whole <laughs> bunch of people into like thinking of the world differently. Our informing is a technique, right? And the technique really amplifies the strategy. So informing helps us initiate. It turns up the dial on our initiation. And there, there are a lot of different ways to do that. But the internet is a really cool one because it gives us this global platform to do it immediately um, and really have that resonate and ripple and, you know, stuff goes viral and it gets shared all around. And, and we're kind of the manifest is left here going like, oh, really? Like you thought that was impacting? Cool. Huh. <laughs> I didn't didn't see that. Um, I've seen a lot of stuff probably over the last six months in particular, you know, in this new paradigm shift with a lot of like projector spaces saying, you know, projectors are like the new leaders of, of the paradigm. And I think that I, you know, I logically understand that and, and kind of like emotionally 
resonate with it a bit. Like I think projectors are amazing leaders. They're definitely guides. But I think there's this nuance in this, you know, talking about the role that manifestors are playing right now. Like there's this nuance split between having leaders who are guiding us and, and um, you know, helping us, like they're directing us, almost that like political way that we view leadership right now. And that's the role projectors are so amazing at taking. But there is also this need for people to activate, right? There's this need for, for the manifestors, kind of, you know, being the heretics, being the people that will go into those unknown spaces and go into the dark and, and you know, turn a torch on and say, hey, guys, look what's over here. This is the place that we need to go. And so while it doesn't necessarily fit that traditional leadership role, it's very much the initiator role, right? And, and if we as manifestors throughout this seven-year period can't heal ourselves and can't decondition ourselves to be able to initiate in places that the world has never been before, then, you know, I'm concerned about whether whether the collective is going to journey through this, also knowing that that this is part of our cycle. We're, we're going to do it. It's going to happen. So there's this kind of like fear and hopefulness like intermingled together for me. But I, I think that, you know, this discussion about the sacral centre is really, it's a key element of all of that because all manifestors experience conditioning in the sacral centre. And like you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, that's not like a once-off, one-and-done healing process. Yeah, that's that's always, that's all the time. We have to keep coming back to that. Like, oh, shit, I just went into sacral conditioning again. I thought I was doing really well. Like, okay, let's deconditioning it. Let's, let's go further into this. Having said all of that, do you feel, you know, as somebody who's had so much focus on it and so much ability to, like, hone down and, and really get clear on your sacral center, what, what are kind of the first one or two steps that manifestors can take to start deconditioning that and healing that sacral center, knowing that that's, that's going to have an impact globally as well, if we're all doing that? Oh, yes. Uh, love this question. Um, something that, again, we were created this way, right? So it's not us that's the problem. It's society, which sounds so narcissistic when you think about it but you know the society isn't the best so I thought like how can I change my world right so I could no longer do the event planning but how can I still have that in my life but not require that for my income because it was too much so how can I change the external bits um I thought that was that's that was a big key and really noticing where my energy was being the most drained. For me, it was work. Um, kind of, you know, the sacral center is huge with boundaries, not having the proper boundaries, really working hard with like, nope, this is this is what I'm not willing to do. This is what I am willing to do and practice that because that's a muscle. And I was not comfortable with it in the beginning. But you know, building that, strengthening that, that was really helpful. And kind of seeing like, you know, are you losing your sacral energy? <clears throat> are you pushing too much like on a phone call with your mom? Or are you saying yes too much? And then kind of reverse engineering and like, well, how can I not put myself in those situations again? One of the big things I'm doing now, which is 
just so simple, but it's so funny. I'll just ask my body, am I pushing myself too much right now? <laughs> and most of the time it's like, no. And it's like, no, you are, you are, you're <laughs> but, doing I, but I am, but I am. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I talk to myself sometimes out loud and I'll be like, well, just let me finish it. And I'm like, nope, if I say that, then I have to step back because then I know I'm pushing it too much. Um, because I, I really can't know my limits sometimes. And I can feel like I'm doing great. And then the next day I can't get out of bed because, you know, I power wash the house for 10 hours in 90 degree heat. Um, so learning your body's cues, I think is so important. And then just stopping, <laughs> like, don't even like give yourself a chance to do more. Just stopping. If you, if you're, if you're thinking you've done too much, you've already done too much. So just stop <laughs> while you're ahead. Yeah. Project. Um, if you think you've done too much, you've already done too much. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time to leave. Definitely. Um, something else I've been doing lately um, is just kind of, I'm an energy worker, so I work with energy and I'll just put my hands on my sacral center. So below my belly button. And I, I love to do this if I'm, if I'm grounding or earthing and putting my bare feet on the ground and just kind of like being in the moment with my body and just like letting what needs to come up, come up. Um, that's been really helpful. So it's kind of the simple things, right? Like the sunlight, the drinking enough water, like those are the things that are going to be so helpful in building these um, kind of like rituals, I guess. So you kind of are ahead of the game of the sacral game. Mm. I actually just created um, a sacral energy healing to help kind of release some of this like we have wounds. Let's release the wounds. Let's like empty it out. Let's put some energy back in just because like, like we keep saying it's a practice. We're going to have to keep doing it. I have to keep doing it. Um, what's one of your favorite ways to like tell your body or like see if you've gone too far? I do, you know, I'm splenic. So I'm, I'm very like always tapping into that, that weird kind of floaty, fluffy, intuitive voice. And that really guides me into other places in my body. So I do, you know, a very similar practice to you where I will check in with my body um, and see what it's saying. And then I'll have like a mental narrative with it. of Like, can, but can I push this further? Like how much further will you let me push this? And, and so you know, the personal journey that I'm on the, um, I'm on at the moment is in trying to make decisions that are most respectful to the needs of my body. Right. Because like, yeah, yeah, my, you know, we all have this kind of dichotomy of like our body is a different energy type to, to our spirit. And I won't go into that too much because it gets really complicated, but, um, your body is, it has its own kind of voice. It, It has its own energy. Like my, my body is a projector energy type my spirit is a manifester and that's my dominant energy and so I kind of have this like tug of war between the projector saying I'm really tired like I really I really need to just take a break and I'm waiting for you to invite me to do that to make sure that it's okay like please recognize me please validate me and my manifester energy saying like but we've got to go like we got to initiate, we, we got to drive this thing home. Like we've got to activate these people. We've got to keep going. So I'm trying to have this conversation back and forth between those two voices to say, how can I, identifying with myself as a manifester, 
really shows so much exquisite care and respect to my body as a projector because I, I chose for my body to be a projector when I came. Like, it's not accidental. Like, I chose this makeup, so why did I do that? Um, and I really think that probably work is, is the most significant place to begin with that whole sacral journey. Like, it's very unusual. I think I only know, uh, like, less than a handful of manifestors that remain in nine to five workplaces once they've really started aligning with that energy because it's very challenging to be in that sacral structure and also allow yourself to be an undefined sacral. You know, it's this like constant, constant drawing back in. And I think that that, like looking back, that was one of the biggest decisions I ever made for myself was, was to exit the career space, like exit the nine to five space and really allow myself to like decondition that and unravel that and, and create this new environment. I mean, having said that, that's still like an ongoing discussion, right? Like you can, you can have your own business and still work. Like you've got a sacral center, like still keep, still keep pushing too hard, but um, it eventually does lead to this place. And, you know, maybe you've had the same experience I find that it leads to this place where you can look back at yourself from three years ago, five years ago, whenever, and say, I actually legitimately have no idea how I physically kept up with that. Like, you know, I've orchestrated my life so differently now that this is so much more supportive and so much more nourishing and still requires work, right? Still requires like tweaking and deconditioning and healing and and permission. But it's, I don't know how I did that before. Was that the same for you? Oh my gosh. Literally like sometimes, you know, again, biggest wound, I'll like do nothing all day. And I'm like, why am I so tired? And then I just think back to the days where like I was working a three day event and we worked 160 hours in like three days. I don't even know the math with that, but I don't, I don't know how I survived. And I just think like, by the grace of God, am I alive (laughs) and as healthy as I am? Because I think we, we do as much as we can. And then human design comes into our life when we need it. And like, that's when we learn like, okay, your body's like, yeah, you gotta stop. I'm gonna teach you this new tool that you're going to learn about because you can't keep going like that friend. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, for anybody listening, who's like struggling with that, with that sacral burnout and really trying to decondition the sacral center, if you still are in and I'm not going to like label it as a nine to five workplace because some of those can be really supportive and really aligned. But mm-hmm. if you're still in that kind of hustle place of work, mm-hmm. regardless of whether it's a business, a career, a, a workplace, whatever it may be, I, I don't think that you can truly begin to heal the sacral center until you remove yourself from that environment, you know, and, and be able to get this clarity of, wow, now I see, now that I'm on the outside of that, I see how toxic that was. I see how damaging it is because as manifestors, we have this real drive for capability. Yeah, like I want to be capable. I want to keep up. Like I want to prove myself. I want to be just as good as everybody else. I don't want to let anybody down here. Um, And so when we stay in those like really, really sacredly driven places, we will just keep going. We'll keep going and keep going and Mm -hmm. keep going. Um, until eventually something will stop you. 99% of the time, it's going to be your body. <laughs> it just yeah. says like, I'm out, I'm out. Hands up everybody. Like you'll, you'll get some kind of illness that, that slows you and eventually stops you. 
So I think that's, yeah, I, I would think that that was like the, the first starting point for any sacral journey is like, check in on that. What is your environment actually doing? You know, I, I spent many, many years um, working in hospitality, but in like high level events and, and management and, you know, the, the drive for that is huge. You know, coming from that event space, like you just sleep is optional, right? Oh God, yeah. yeah. And stimulants are necessary. Like everybody is on some form of stimulants, even the sacral beings, because you do, you work hour after hour after hour, you're on your feet, you're going, you're smiling, you're engaging, you're responding. Your eyes are always looking at everything that's going on. Um, and of course, that was profoundly damaging for my body, profoundly damaging, even though I was very good at it and I was very, very capable at it. So I think that there is this place of understanding, like just because I can be competent at something doesn't mean that that's supportive for me and doesn't mean that it actually serves me and and my health and where I want to go. So that would be, that would be my number one starting place. (laughs) No, it makes sense. I remember when I got my first reading, my first human design reading, and she said, um, you'll definitely, you know, start your own business and you can come to me because I'm also like a coach and I can help you through that. And I was like, no, that sounds miserable. I will never do that, my friend. You can mark my words. And now I'm like, just kidding. <laughs> Self-employed <laughs> life. Line but three manifesto. <laughs> yes, I do want to say, I want to use my voice to say my whole family comes from um, being self-employed and my parents owned restaurants and I was like raised in a bus pan and I saw how much they worked. And that is why I said I would never be my own boss. And then I realized that's their story. That's not my story. And I can change that story. I get to decide what being my own boss looks like. So if you also feel like that out there and you're like, I don't even know what it would look like. And, you know, it's exhausting to think about like how I'm going to create a business. I suggest getting um, what's called expanders and just look for people who are in this world doing what maybe what you're interested in or maybe even not but like they work 10 hours a week or they work 15 hours a week and just show your subconscious it's possible because that's what it took for me because I didn't believe it was possible and now I see people I follow someone who's like I work 10 hours a week and I make like I just had like I don't know five hundred thousand dollar launch and I'm like it's possible okay we got it subconscious is like yep understand check yeah yeah I, that's that's so correct and that's that's a big area that I'm working on right now like how can I how can I pull that down and where's that balance and you know yesterday I worked three hours it was it was day one of a launch and I worked three hours and you Congrats. know what like thank you I was very proud of myself I lay down on the couch and I read a book and um you know it can be done it, it can be done we just have to do it differently so there is there's so much wisdom in that, in just that statement of like, you get to create your own narrative. You get, you get to create your own story and you don't, we're not actually here as manifestors to ever be doing it like anyone else ever. So, you know, be that trailblazer, like make your own rules, break the damn rule book and, and do it differently just for the hell of it, just for the fun of it. <laughs> I think that that's an amazingly wise place to wrap up on. I've, I have, yeah. 
just like loved, loved, loved having your voice here. And even just for my own privilege of being able to speak to you for an hour, I mean, that's been <laughs> joy. And I find that really nourishing and uplifting. Um, but I know that there's just, there are so many gems and so many pieces of wisdom that people will be taking from this episode. If people want to follow you or work with you or just be in connection to you, where can they find you in the whole you know, vast interweb space? And is there anything um, that you would like to share with them about working with you? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at energy with Ryan. I, I always say Ryan like a boy, R-Y-A-N. And that's my <laughs> website, energywithryan.com. And I'm an energy worker. I do workshops. I do one-on-one healing. Um, I actually created my own code for you, Holly. So people, if they want to do a one-on-one session, you can get 20% off using Holly. Um, there's a link in the show notes, uh, for one-time use. I think it is over at the end of December. So 2021, and I'm really excited because I, I love human design so much. And I think that there, I'm going to be doing something with it. So I've created an energy healing, um, a sacral healing energy booster. So it's like 20 minutes. You can download it, listen to it as many times as you like. It's in my shop. I'm also going to have, I'm not sure if it's going to be a manifester workshop or just a non-sacral defined sacral um, workshop, but it's going to be something like that. And after this um, airs. So I have a link to that if you're interested. And yeah, I'm just, so, I want also people to follow me because I like talking about human design and I want to follow everyone else because with my, again, defined head, I want to know like what people are doing, what works for them. It's that three in me. I need to know. Um, so tell me, tell me how things work for you. I love it. It's, I'm so excited now to be a manifester and I've had some people message me about like, I'm really bummed that I'm a manifester. And I was like, again, I was there, but let's like, let's like get excited about it. It's a really cool type to be. And I, I feel like it's an honor. So let's initiate and use our voices wisely. Mm, I could not agree more. So on the <laughs> same page with you, manifestors unite. <laughs> Let's all get excited about what we chose to come here to be and to do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan, so much for being here and, and for sharing yourself with us. I cannot encourage the audience more to like be up in your energy, to, to share in some of your experience, to participate in the things that you offer. Um, I know that it's been uh, just as much of a, a joy and a growth for me to have mentored you <laughs> as it is for you to have participated in that. So Ryan's energy is really, it's really special and it's really something to be part of. So thank you so much for being here and for sharing your thoughts and your wisdom with us today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. I hope that my words, my sharing and the spiritual wisdom that came through today's episode have a magnificently transforming impact on your life. If you love this episode, I would be so humbly and truly grateful if you would share it on your social media. You can tag me on Instagram or Facebook at The Holly Marie. And also please consider taking a moment to leave a review right here on iTunes so that this information, this podcast and this spiritual transformation can be spread to even more people. 
Again, I cannot wait to see you for the next episode of Hunting for Purpose.